We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, Charger fans? Welcome inside the Get the As Charge podcast. As always, my name is Steven. I am your host. And joining me today is a very special guest, Mr. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 Sports. That's Georgia Bulldogs, for those who don't know. Uh, Jordan, thanks for taking the, taking the time to join me today. How are you doing? Yes, Steven. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Doing good. We're post-spring practice, and obviously the draft just got wrapped up uh, last week, so everything's going well. Yeah, obviously we are here today to talk specifically about Jamari Salyer and apparently a, a budding Chargers Georgia pipeline. This is, you know, back-to-back years that Brandon Staley has come in and and selected a couple of Bulldogs. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about Salyer's background and his performance on the field and all that good stuff. I want to get your thoughts initially, though, on just kind of where <laughs> the program is now because you guys just had 16 drafted players, which broke the record. So what was uh, this past weekend like for, you know, people around the, the Georgia football program? Yeah, I mean, truthfully, it was huge. You know, I think a lot of people thought there was the potential for Georgia to set that new modern draft record as far as players drafted. But you still kind of wondered some of those late guys, you know, well, they might just be undrafted free agents. It may not work out. I mean, honestly, it worked out as well as it truthfully could have from a Georgia perspective, having 15 guys drafted, having – uh, so many, you know, five in the first round uh, and all those defenders going off the board then. I mean, it was huge. And Georgia made sure to to take advantage of it. You saw it with all the, the um, you know, Twitter and, and Instagram posts and, and graphics they posted. They let yeah. everybody know that they were kind of <laughs> part of the part of the show. And uh, I'm sure it, it's caught some people's attention as far as, you know, maybe future Bulldogs that wind up coming to Athens. Yeah, absolutely. There's no better, you know, recruiting tool than uh, not that Georgia needs any help, right? But you know, Plash is graphic. Hey, 16 drafted players in uh, 2022. So, uh, was there a favorite landing spot of yours of the the 16 players that were selected? You know, for me, I really liked two two that really stood out to me was George Pickens going to the Steelers, and the biggest thing to me is just look at the Steelers' history, yeah. um, even just recent history with guys like Chase. Uh, Claypool and and some of those other receivers I just think you know it it all depends on how Kenny Pickett plays since I think he'll probably be the guy but I think George Pickens has the the ability 
to be a star, to be a guy that really breaks out. I don't know if it'll be his rookie year, but he's a really talented guy. He just kind of had injury problems, especially his senior year at Georgia. I felt like kind of held him back. And then the other guy to me was kind of part of the story of the draft was N'Kobe Dean. Uh, watching him fall, a lot of people thought he had a chance to be a first-round pick. He goes in the third round. Uh, he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, which means he's going to be playing with Jordan Davis in front of him again, which yeah. I think is going to do him good. And the thing that I think, one, it was really funny to watch people on Twitter who had watched Georgia last year just losing their minds. Like, why is Nakobe still on the board? You know, that was a big part of the conversation. Uh, but, you know, you it kind of put a chip on Nakobe's shoulder. He talked about that uh, when he talked to media on Friday night after he had been drafted. And that just, you know, anyone who's watched Nakobe, if you want to kind of tick him off, I don't think it's going to go well for other teams. So I think he's got a chance. You know, I don't know how uh, quickly he'll kind of earn a role there, but I think he's got a chance to be a really, really special player and uh, was part of what I thought was a pretty good draft for the Eagles. Yeah, I love the Eagles draft. And I'm always a big fan of, you know, those college teammates ending up together. I think you can create some, you know, special, just special stories, I think, for teams. But um, we'll get into Jamari Sawyer, the uh, former left tackle of the Georgia Bulldogs, now probably playing guard for the Chargers. Um, you know, just kind of looking into his background a little bit, I want to dive in first with his recruiting process because you know he was listed as the top guard in the country. I think it was uh, 10 or 11 overall in his class. So what was his recruiting process to Georgia like? And was it a close call or was it always kind of considered that he was going to choose Georgia? You know, I think it's a situation when you've got a guy like a five-star. I mean, Jamari was one of the top offensive linemen, guard or tackle, in that class. And, you know, I think Georgia, uh, throughout Kirby Smart's time as a head coach, they've tried to do a really good job of keeping those guys that are in the state of Georgia, in, you know, coming to Georgia, that they mm -hmm. could have sort of their pick of the litter. And Jamari's one of those linemen that when Georgia decided they want to go after him, clearly he was a top priority. And, you know, I think Jamari had a lot of options. He went to Pace Academy, which is one of the top programs really year in and year out as far as high school football in Georgia. Um, and, you know, I, I think that what probably helped Jamari in making that decision to stay home was that Georgia has done a pretty good job going back to when Sam Pittman, who's now the head coach at Arkansas, he was the offensive line coach at Georgia. I mean, they've turned out some really good offensive linemen, guys who went and, and got paid and, and got drafted high. I mean, guys right. like Isaiah Wynn. Uh, Andrew Thomas, that's with the Giants. Uh, I'm sure that there was a big piece of that puzzle. And again, a lot of these guys grew up watching, you know, wearing red and black, going to Sanford Stadium. I'm sure that that helped. Um, and having the chance just to kind of play up the road from Atlanta, where Jamari's from, uh, I think it was probably a situation where it was just too good of an opportunity for him to turn down and, and decide to go to Georgia. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, I think he would feel like that was the right decision. Um, obviously he, he played a little bit of guard in early on in his career and then, you know, started the last two seasons at left tackle. Was that always a possibility for him or was that more about simply getting kind of the best five out there and, you know, Jamari just happened to be able to play tackle and guard? Yeah, I think it was a situation that probably caught people off guard because he was touted as a guy that could play in the interior. Mm. And it's kind of funny. We're seeing the same thing this year with the Georgia team. There's a guy, Ernest Green, that was one of the top guards. And coming out of spring, he's playing left tackle. I think it's just sort of a situation where they see guys, again, kind of going back specifically to Jamari's situation, where they see traits that can make him a good offensive tackle. 
uh, that they're not going to pigeonhole a guy and say, well, if we see him as our left guard, you know, no matter what, we got to find, you know, a, another way to use uh, other guys because we want him to play inside. I think it was a situation where Jamari showed he had so much talent, athletic ability, and, and versatility because even in the time that he's played left tackle, he's gone over and we can talk, you know, about uh, during that playoff run in the national title game, they moved him over to right guard in the middle of the game. And he held his own and, and did a very good job. So, yeah, I, I think based on you know what I can kind of remember when Jamari came to Georgia, I think the expectation was he was going to play guard. And then you have situations sort of like we were talking about a minute ago when you have guys like Andrew Thomas leave who gets drafted really high. It kind of changes your plans a little bit. You have to say, all right, what do we have? You know, is it feasible for us to bring in a true freshman, something like that, uh, to start instead? And I think it was a situation where they saw – uh, Jamari was up for the challenge and you know we can talk about the numbers of him when he was at left tackle I mean he he held his own he did a very yeah. good job did a very good job in that role um, so I think it was just a situation where they kind of called on him and and said hey let's see if this works and and for the most part it really did yeah you mentioned the playoff run I mean just like what he managed to do against Aiden Hutchinson. And of course there were some reps right where you know Georgia has a, a back chicken in, chipping him or tight or something like that but his just resume as a left tackle, I think, is really interesting because the Chargers don't have a clear-cut option at right tackle right now. Um, you know, they said on on Saturday they kind of view him as a guard, at least at first. But, you know, if he was that good of a left tackle in college, like I feel like he could certainly play right tackle in the NFL. I mean, sure, you probably want him to be a little bit taller. But just from a production standpoint, from an athletic profile standpoint, like, I, I think he could play tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think that's my thing specifically with seeing him go in the sixth round, which I was kind of surprised. I thought he might have been a third, fourth round guy. Mm -hmm. But I think if you look at it from the Chargers perspective, what I would say in the sixth round is, hey, let's take a chance on this guy. He's versatile like we were just talking about. If we get in a pinch, we can play him at right tackle. But if not, we got a very good interior guy that, again, when you're drafting on day three, you're kind of looking just for value. You're looking yeah. for a guy that can, you know, maybe surprise some people. I think Jamari fits that mold. Uh, truth be told, I'm a big Falcons fan, and a few picks before they picked Justin Schaefer, who I think is a very good lineman too. He's also from Georgia. But when they came up, I knew that Georgia need. I mean, that uh, the Falcons needed an offensive lineman. And I was like, this is going to end up perfect. Uh, Jamar <laughs> Jamari's going to fall right there, and they got a guy that can play a couple different positions. Didn't work out that way, and I think it worked out in the Chargers' favor. And uh, you got to feel good about it because he's a very, very good pass blocking uh, tackle. Uh, I was looking at some of the PFF numbers before we got on. Since 2014, he graded out the second best among Georgia offensive linemen. And the only person that beat him was Isaiah Wynn. He was a, a first round pick. So I think wow. you got to feel pretty good about specifically the value, the fact they were able to get him in the yeah. sixth round. I think you have to feel good about that if you're a Chargers fan. No, absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm – Hardly, you know, on Dan Jeremiah's level or anything like that. But, you know, I, I grade all these prospects, right? And uh, I had Salyer as my fifth interior offensive lineman. I had him as, as a high third-round grade. So, you know, getting him in the sixth round is fantastic. And it really is going to be an interesting case study because the Chargers have Zion. They have Z Zion Johnson, that is, who they took early. Jamari, they took a guard last year from Nebraska, Brandon Hymas. They have Matt Filer. Of course, they have Corey Lindsay. So, like, they have too many interior guys, and they don't have a right tackle. So whether that's Jamari or Matt Filer or Brendan Hymas from Nebraska, like I mentioned, 
it is going to be interesting there uh, to see how kind of that pans out. Um, I think it's Brandon Staley holds the Georgia program in such high regard, and he has such a good relationship with uh, Kirby Smart at this point. I think he was down there recently. And I think it is important to note here that Jamari was a two-time captain. Can you speak a little bit to the significance of Jamari becoming that captain over the last two years and really how important that is for the Georgia program? I think it's huge, and I think it's especially huge with sort of how we started this conversation. I mean, he was looked at as a big get as a high school recruit, but then to see a guy grow into being comfortable, you know, calling people out, being a leader, especially up front, I mean, I think that's huge. And I think really it's situations like Jamari that kind of point to and and illustrate why Georgia's been having success. They've had guys Mm -hmm. that have been willing to to go the extra mile as far as leadership. We talked about N'Kobe Dean earlier. One of the big plays in the national championship game, uh, Channing Tindall messes up on a read on a on a uh, play on the goal line, and Nakobe goes over there and chews him out in the middle of the game. Next play, Channing gets a big sack. I think Jamari is a good case study for getting a guy that's very talented that learns what is expected of being a leader, especially when you have younger guys around you, younger linemen. Um, I think that he was crucial. I think he was crucial as a as a as a a captain as a guy they counted on as a guy that, you know, he got hurt sort of late in the year and then he came back. And then again, think about being in the national championship game and there's an injury to the, to the starting right guard and the coaches come to you and say, are you okay moving to right guard? You know, left tackles kind of the, you know, protecting the quarterback's blind side. And he said, yeah, let's go do it. And he did it. He did it. Well, uh, they had a guy, Broderick Jones step in and play left tackle. And obviously the rest is history with them beating Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Jamari's case is one that sort of illustrates when you have the right guys step up as leaders, uh, when you have guys that are comfortable doing that and also playing really darn good football, um, things can end well. And obviously for Georgia fans, you know, that was first cha- national championship since 1980. So I think people like Jamari, you know, sometimes offensive linemen get forgot about and sort of overlooked when you think about the big plays and you think about the guys who helped the team get there. I think he's as huge as anybody um, for the reasons that Georgia was even uh, in contention for winning a title and obviously why they were able to do it uh, at the end. I love that. Really excited to see how that one uh, looks like I cut out for a little bit. You still got me? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, yeah, really excited about Jamari overall kind of fitting into that room from a personality and leadership standpoint. Uh, what can you tell our listeners about Jamari off the field? What's he like in terms of the media appearances? What's he interested in? Any kind of uh, fun stories that you've had with Jamari? What I really enjoyed was the last conversation we had with Jamari was back at Pro Day. So this was mid-March. So there was still a, you know, a little ways to go as far as before the draft. And I asked him, basically, what's the time been like since the national title? I mean, think about these kids, a lot of these kids, especially the ones that are from Georgia, they've heard about how long it's been. They yeah. you know, they hear from fans, they hear from family about, you know, you guys got to go do it, and especially playing Alabama. You know, that it's no secret that Alabama has had the upper hand on Georgia. And he said it had been a whirlwind, but, you know, he's had the opportunity to – kind of let it sink in when he was back in Athens. Obviously, a lot of those guys, once they got done with the national title, 
Um, they went back that Saturday, and there was a parade in Athens to celebrate the championship. But then those guys are training. Those guys are getting ready for the draft. Obviously, they were getting ready for the combine uh, and then having that pro day. But he said, you know, getting the chance to be back in Athens for that pro day, walking through the indoor where they've had plenty of practices, that was sort of one of those moments where it was setting in that they won a national title. They were part of a national championship yeah. team. It, it was just really funny to sort of hear that perspective because, you know, even especially when you're media covering stuff like that, it is kind of a whirlwind where the game ends and you're trying to get down there and all this stuff. I mean, it's kind of the same thing for the players. They kind of go in locker room, change. Yeah. They do their media opportunities and they fly back to Atlanta and then go to Athens. Um, it was just really interesting to sort of hear his perspective on, you know, it had taken a little while to kind of set in that they were national champions. And and it was good to kind of hear him talk about that and, and kind of get a chance to sort of enjoy it. Again, with a lot of those guys, those 14, 15, 16 guys that were there for the pro day, you know, they're probably not all ever going to be on the same field again. Um, so to see them kind of be able to take that in, that was pretty neat to see. Yeah, that is very interesting perspective. You don't really hear that very often uh, about, you know, I was, the, the Chargers did, a, a you know, Zion's first 24 hours with the Chargers and like what that was all like. You, as like a fan, you don't really understand what these guys are going through, like at these huge events, right? You know, Zion gets drafted and gets, you know, whisked away from his family and has to do all these media things and does an interview with Sirius XM and does an interview with Fox and interview with NFL network interview with the chargers. And it's kind of like the same thing for a national championship, man. You've like, you play this huge game, you do all these interviews and then it's like, well, okay. Like, do we get to enjoy this at all? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And two, you know, from the national championship to even getting drafted, like when Jamari was or, or going back in the first round with Zion, imagine your phone. <laughs> Just imagine how many <laughs> yeah. messages you're, you know, those guys are probably still getting back to people they hadn't heard from. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's wild and uh, you know, it's just a crazy time, but it, it's just good to see guys that kind of take it in stride and guys that, you know, from everything I've been able to see about Jamari and, and hearing about him, you know, was always uh, a really good guy to talk to always really friendly with media to see those guys realize that opportunity, especially in this situation with him getting a chance to, to go play in the NFL. And, and like we said, he's going to a Los Angeles team. That's got a few dogs on it. Um, you know, it's just really neat to see. It is, man. It is. I, I can't wait to see what Jamari's able to do with this team. I know I, I was a big fan of that draft selection and uh, you know, hopefully our listeners kind of gained an, an insight into Jamari as a person, as a player and, and you know, kind of his backstory. So uh, Jordan, appreciate your time, man. We'll have to do this again. I imagine that the chargers take another Georgia player next year at this point. So uh, we'll be in touch, man. Appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Hey, this time next year, let's do it. All right, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.